0: That's going chronological study of the Bible. Continuing on in Proverbs chapter 22. I know it seems like we've been in Proverbs a long time, and it feels like we're going to be, but we only have eight and a half chapters left. We've already covered 22 and a half chapters in Proverbs. So, whether it feels like it or not, we are winding Proverbs down. I don't know if we're going to make any promises and how long it's going to be. But uh, Proverbs has been a big, big blessing to me in my life, and I hope it is to yours as well. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. According to this verse, if we cast out a scorner, then contention shall go out, strife and reproach shall, shall, shall stop. Easy for me to say. The question is, what is a scorner? What is a scorner? Scorners are mockers. A lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times, scorners, mockers use sarcasm. They love to just kind of get up under your skin. And and, um, um. I'll give you an example, okay? Back to the parking lot. Let's suppose we had a visitor that didn't like the parking lot and they came back a year later and the parking lot was not fixed. I could see them totally, easily saying, why don't I fix that parking lot? It's a corner. Straight up a corner. Okay, they're, they're not going to help anything. All they're going to do is criticize. But sometimes they are steadily serious in what they say. They're not mocking at all. They're simply hoping that whatever it is that you do is going to fail there are a lot of churches that are scorners to other churches. We've got to be careful not to become scorners or markers. Like Korah in number 16. Don't forget what happened to Korah and what Ray read just a few minutes ago. The ground opened up and swallowed him and his family alive. Okay, There is no better example of a scorner than Korah. Some people think, though, it's their job to show what's wrong with everyone else. They don't actually do anything productive. They simply look at what's wrong with everybody else. And it it has a way of just coming out their mouth. They can't keep it in. They've got to let it come out. And I'll be honest with you. There have been times when I have been a scorner. There have been times that... um, I'm not going to give examples because it cuts a little close to the bone, but there's been some times when people have done things or attempted to do things that I kind of enjoyed when it failed just to put them in their place. We don't get to do that. We don't get to criticize the servants of God. All we get to do is point to Scripture and say, this is... Needs to be done this way. When we're dealing with other churches, we can deal very much with doctrine. Doctrine says this. I can talk. Uh, I can go all day long talking about how infant baptism is wrong. But it's not good to just scorn the Catholics. It doesn't help to just scorn the Catholics. To me, let's go after doctrine. Let's use a verse. Use a verse. What verse did Corey use? I'm gonna give you a hint. He didn't have one. He was jealous of Moses. Said, Moses, you think you're our boss, and I've had enough of it. got <laughs> we're done with it. So God told Moses, Well, let's make it clear who the boss is. <laughs> was Jesus a scorner of the Pharisees, though? That's a big question. Was Jesus a scorner of the Pharisees? I want to encourage you and this is going to sound awful but I want to encourage you don't just give Jesus a pass Okay, don't look at Jesus and say He's God, He did everything right we need to understand why He did the things that He did so that we can do the same thing in a similar circumstance what did Jesus do with the Pharisees? called them a bunch of hypocrites Jesus was not a scorner, though How was he different? What made Jesus different than Korah? Think about it. The Pharisees were the religious leaders. Moses was the religious leader. Moses was being complained against. Jesus was very publicly mocking. Straight up. I got it. (laughs) He always had a clear Bible verse. Always. He always had a clear Bible verse. He didn't always quote it straight up, but when it came right down to it, when he was asked to explain, it always went back to Scripture. That's what makes scorners different from Jesus. If we're going to correct scriptural stances, that's appropriate. If we're going to get into the area of personal opinion, that's dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. Why do scorers scorn? Why did I do it? That's the question. Why did I do it? I know you're dying to know when I did it. Okay. Over the years I've done a lot of bad stuff. I don't know if you've heard about it at all, but Danny's not always been a nice guy. Why do scorners scorn? Insecurity. Always insecurity. Always insecurity. These people cause trouble not necessarily because they want to. In fact, I think that they think they're actually making things better. Why do they cause trouble? Because it makes them feel needed. It makes them feel needed. And every time over the years when I've scorned something going on, it's like I wasn't doing anything but to make myself feel needed, I needed to correct something else that was going on. didn't have a Bible verse to back it up. <clears throat> but it caused problems. You know how to solve them? He's had to solve a lot of my problems over the years. I know for a fact when I was leading singing at Park Ridge as a teenager, a lot of people did not like the music that I was using. A lot of people. Dad never got in the middle of it and said, you can't do this because he knew he didn't have a Bible verse to back it up. He just supported me, prayed for me, and in the Lord's wisdom, he worked it all out. And I'm glad about that. But you know what I did with those people who didn't like the music? I turned it up. I actually I was angry one time. I'm ashamed of this, but this happened a long time ago, okay? God forgave this a long time ago. There was one service to where no one liked the song that we were singing, and they were all like this. I stopped the song. I said, just so y'all know, I've got a microphone and I'm loud enough for all of us that I started to back up again and finish the song. It felt so good. scorning. It's scorning. It just causes problems. There's no scripture behind it. It's just simple personal preference that does not help anything or anybody. It just makes me feel important. They may even have a Bible verse. Usually it is. Don't answer out loud. What is it usually? There's one verse scorners always go to. Always. If they have one. If they don't have a verse, a lot of times they don't they're not even to bother with it, but if they think, you know what, I've got to have a verse, they go to this one verse. Don't answer out loud, but does anybody have an idea without answering? Okay, I've heard this verse a thousand times in my life. First Thessalonians five twenty-two, abstain from all appearance of evil. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you can use that on anything including Jesus. Was Jesus not criticized for hanging out with prostitutes and sinners? Does that mean He broke 1 Thessalonians 5.22? Or is it possible that verse means something different than it appears to me? simply telling us that because Jesus did not do what we think that verse says to do, we're misunderstanding it. I want to encourage you, if you use this verse, always have a second one. Always have a second one. So how do we cast them out? Wade? Let's show them how to cast somebody out. Come on. You've had enough of me. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> cast me out. You thought there's I was going to cast you? <clears throat> okay, there's the door. All seriousness, cast me out. Scripture says to do it. <clears throat> Scripture says if there's fighting and you do it, you'll stop the fighting. So do it. I make a motion. We get rid of Daniel <clears throat> Believe it or not, he's on the right track. He's actually on the right track. Matthew 18 makes it very clear how we deal with all difficulties in church. Number one, they go privately. Okay? Wade didn't. He just went straight to the third step, but that's okay. Wade could have come to me and say, David, we need to talk. We need to talk. If that didn't work, Matthew 18 says, um, take two or three witnesses, two or three people that have seen it, that, that. They're not just on your side. They actually have seen what you have seen. And try to work it out just together. If that doesn't work, then you take it before the church. I have another, faster solution. This one works for me. It may work for you. I don't know. But since I've been using it, it has worked every single time. It's made no one mad. I've not had to exclude anybody from church membership. But it shuts down the scorning. And I submit to you, it would have worked on me when I was scorning. It absolutely would have worked me. This, I think, is the best way to cast out a scorner. Suggest that whoever they are mocking simply be there. Just suggest they be there. It's amazing how scorning stops when they are presented with the possibility that the scorner's object be there. It's amazing how it stops. If they've got a Bible verse to back up the correction, for instance, let's suppose I'm talking about infant baptism if somebody says well let's go get the Catholics I'll be happy to I won't be the slightest bit afraid I'll go to the Catholic church I won't be mean about it It's that's their house I'm not going to go in there and be mean about anything but I will be happily open the Bible and show them what I see in the Bible it's not my opinion it's God's opinion but when it came back to the music if someone would have said to me, let's go and talk to them, I would have ran. I would have ran. Because I knew my opinion was no better than theirs. I was just being a mocker. That's all I was doing. This works very, very well at what? At contention. What's the word? Contention going out. Making contention leave works very, very well. Strife, reproach, this works very, very well. Verse 11 He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Now we don't have a king, so who is this talking about? In my opinion, always in scripture you're talking about any level of authority when you're talking about any level of authority it's any level of authority in your life this could be your boss at work this could be uh, the pastor this could be uh, the city councilman this could be even the president if by chance you were to meet him he that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips people are drawn to people with good character because they're dependable if we always, in love, speak the truth, people will respect what we say, even if they don't like it. If we always have pureness of heart and pureness of lips, and again, we're sinners, we're not always going to be perfect, but the more that we, in love, communicate the truth, the more people will trust us. And I submit to you, that's exactly why they got those two prayer requests. They'll see something different. Is that gonna make them get saved? It could. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But there's a lot of people, and we see them all the time on the news. All the time. I don't, I don't watch the news, but if you watch news, you see all the time. They're never, ever, ever gonna get the ear of anybody important because they're just too mean. The people that are important, they have guarded themselves, they have insulated themselves from people like that. We can actually, though, influence very, very important people just by simply speaking the truth consistently in love consistently. Are we going to fail? Yeah, we're going to fail. We're sinners. But does this give us a target to shoot for? Yeah. I think it does. The king shall be his friend. Twelve. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, and he overthroweth the words of the transgressor. I love this verse. This is a very, very powerful verse. Jesus said it a little clearer, but he said the same thing in Matthew twenty four twenty five twenty-four thirty five. Heaven and earth shall pass away, that's he overthroweth the words of the transgressor. My word shall not pass away, that's the eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge. It's exactly the same statement why is this these two verses so important this is one of folks why i love the bible it's absolutely dependable absolutely god has preserved knowledge he's preserved every bit of knowledge he wants us to have for some of it six thousand years some of it I think Moses penned the book of Genesis, but Moses penned the book of Genesis using uh, inspiration from God who was there 6,000 years ago. But the, the information in the book of Genesis is absolutely dependable and has been for 6,000 years. Scripture is 100% dependable. The rest of it, though, he overthrew with the words of the transgressor. Jesus said, uh, Heaven and earth shall pass away. Who are some people who spoke some very, very powerful things that were followed until they were proven wrong? Well, Hitler's one of them. But there's been a bunch. There's been a whole bunch. I'm sorry? The world is flat. How do you know? People go off and you don't see them anymore. They're going to fall off the end of the earth. i got a better way to know what the shape of the earth is. Go to the Book of Isaiah. Go to tell you. Go to tell you. Okay. Christians knew the earth was round, whether they admitted it or not. They knew it was round before we ever put a satellite up to actually be able to see it, because the Bible said it. Why? Because Scripture is dependable. I love that about Scripture. It always, always, always works. And by the way, that is how we know that it is what is correct versus Islam, versus Hinduism, versus any other denomination or, or cult or any other religion. Let's look at what they have written down and see if it's accurate. If it's from God, it's always going to be accurate. And I love, I love studying the Bible just to see how accurate it is. In doing a study where you've got to go from beginning to end, like we're doing, You don't get to skip anything. Am I worried that I'm going to hit one of those contradictions? Not even a little bit, because there's not any. There's not any. i got two verses here that says there's not any contradictions. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge. That prevents contradictions. Heaven earth shall pass away, my word shall not pass away. That prevents contradictions even though it's thousands of years old, it's still totally accurate. There are no missing books. I wish I could say this on television. There are no missing books regardless of what the TV says. Amazing to me that people that will say, well, I saw a thing on Discovery Channel and I don't know if the Bible's so accurate. You're going to believe a television show <laughs> over a book that's been around for 4,000 years? if there are missing books in the Bible, these verses are lies, and you should just throw the whole thing out. Throw it all out. Typical person on the street nowadays thinks there is no one source of truth. They think that there's a little bit of truth everywhere, and you've got to find truth and put it all together in your own way. The problem is is no one's ever going to succeed because we're all going to pick different things that we like there has to be a source of truth that's bigger than all of us combined and that's scripture. I love that about scripture. 13. The slothful man saith, there's a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. Have you ever heard a lazy person say that? I guarantee you you have. They just didn't use those words. He will say anything to get out of responsibility. Now we've all heard people say, yeah, but there's this and there's this and there's this and and there's always something. They'll say anything. Obviously, there's not a lion in the street. And usually, if they take a minute to find out uh, what they're really talking about, there's not anything there. There's no lions in the street, right? For the record, this is a real picture. This happened in South Africa. I've been sitting on this picture for five years waiting for this verse to come up. (laughs) I did not make this picture. This verse is absolutely real. This is the one time when there actually was a lion in the street. Other than that, don't worry about it verse 14 the mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit what makes her strange we've talked about this extensively just not recently what makes her strange she doesn't seek Jesus period she's not weird in fact she's probably more normal than a Christian is she simply doesn't seek Jesus she's a stranger to truth she has different ideas on whatever level and by the way this can be a Christian lady this can be a Christian man when we start saying things that contradict scripture we become strangers to scripture the mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit it's that simple folks in the same way wisdom is deep he or his her or his deception is not easy to overcome deception is very very difficult One of the biggest deceptions there is is evolution. A lot of Christians, a lot of saved people who believe in the truth of the Bible also believe in evolution. They can't understand it, but they say evolution has proof. The problem is evolution does not have proof. It's just got a really, really, really deep lie. And it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. If it contradicts scripture, it's strange and it's a deep pit. Don't fall into it, no matter what it is. Like even the serpent, often we can get so hung up on what they offer that we overlook that they're simply a snake. They're a snake. What do these strangers offer? An easier path. It always goes back to an easier path. You don't have to do that. That part's not necessary. I heard yesterday that finally they found a document that's a thousand years old that is evidence that Jesus actually existed. (laughs) Imagine that. I got a document that's 4,000 years old to predict that He was coming. Why is that so hard to believe in? There's more copies of it than any other book ever, ever produced. But this one thing that's a thousand years old, you to tell me that you found. What are they trying to do? They're not saying I found one. They're saying we can't find anything else. They're casting doubt on the existence of Jesus. It's a deep, deep pit. And we can fall into it. Scripture is true, period. Just stick with Scripture. I cannot say that enough. Stick with Scripture. The mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit. He that is abhorred of the Lord. I thought God loves everybody. Last Wednesday night, Ben the pastor at Park Ridge was not there I'm not sure he was out of state asked me to preach and I preached the very first sermon of the chronological study of the Bible the things that happened before Genesis 1-1 almost everything that happened before Genesis 1-1 has to do with God choosing people God setting up the salvation of certain people I got done and one of the men said I've never heard that before I said well Ben preaches it he said he didn't preach it like that God does not love everybody. I wish He did. I really do. I wish He did. It would be so nice if we all stood before the judgment seat and Jesus said, God, I'm going to pay for all of them. Let's let them all in. I think everybody would be grateful. Especially if they can see hell there. This is what you would have got, but this is what I did for you. I think everybody would accept it at that point. So why don't He do that? So it's too late. Who made that rule? God don't love everybody. After the sermon, Winston had somebody said, "Why are you teaching that? Why would you say such a mean thing?" I said, "Because we ought to be grateful if we're one of the ones He loves. We ought to say thank you, God, for loving me. You don't have to. We assume that God has to love everybody, and so we're not different. We're just one of the ones He loves." Okay, cool. In the same way God gives gravity to everybody, we expect gravity. We don't thank God for gravity. But what if you were the only one that got to experience gravity? Everybody else floated around. They couldn't work because they just floating around all over the place. Would you be thankful for gravity? Of course you would. You would see the difference. The problem is, is we assume that God loves everybody and that's not what Scripture teaches. He that's abhorred of the Lord shall fall therein. He's not abhorred because he falls in. Typically, that's how that's understood. He that falls therein is abhorred of the Lord is not what that verse says. Be careful what you wish for. Often God gives us what we want just to teach us that He was right in the first place. And I submit to you, one of God's children can temporarily be abhorred of the Lord. Many times in my life I know for a fact I fall into this category. You want it so bad I'll let you have it. Let me see how you enjoy it. Then he turns around and says, Did you learn? I forgive you, but did you learn? What are you going to do with what you learned? I think a lot of times we are so curious about what's in the pit that we actually run toward it. And God says, okay, that's cool. I think there's some Christians that run toward it and hit it so hard they wind up dying. I think Scripture teaches about Christians who die in doing a sin, but they still are saved. They still go to heaven. I think that falls into this category. At this point, Solomon doesn't realize he's talking to himself. The mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit. He that's abhorred of the Lord shall fall therein. Solomon, I believe, I believe scripture teaches this. He's already got probably 100, 150 wives. I believe he built the temple with the understanding that God was going to use the temple, or he was going to use the temple to keep God off of his back. And God came to him and said listen if you don't do what you're supposed to do I'll take this thing away this thing is not special I think at this point Solomon is writing his proverbs but I think he's forgetting about those women he's busy, he's close to God he's probably got them tucked away somewhere but we're going to see a radical change in Solomon's life very, very very quickly as we end the book of proverbs the mouth of a strange woman i think is going to be the key i think that's going to be the key and he's going to fall right in 15 foolishness is bound in the heart of a child but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him sinners sin foolishness is bound in the heart especially children don't think that children are worse sinners than anybody else. They're not. They're, they're less experienced. They don't know the danger in some of these things. That's why teenagers so often get into big, big, big problems because the world tells them it's not a big deal. Those of us that's been around for a while, we know there's certain things you don't do and this is why you don't do them. But foolishness is... There, are even in children. Like Eve, they don't have the experience to recognize the dangers. The rod of correction, though, what is that? What is the rod of correction? Don't answer out loud. Does it have to be a paddle? Don't answer out loud. There are those that would say yes. There are those that would say about every wayward teenager, well, they weren't paddled, obviously. mm mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're right, but not always. In the same chapter, St. chapter 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. We saw Colossians 3.21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. How do those two verses fit together? Listen to your kids. Adjust Whatever it is you're using to correct them, never, ever give up. But there are some people who get so frustrated with their kids and they think the paddle's the only way and they beat them until they hurt them. That's not what this is talking about. But never reward bad behavior. There must be some type of correction. There must be. If we allow kids to just become who they are. It will be no different than allow a garden to become what it is. It'll be a big, big pile of weeds. It's always going to be a big pile of weeds. You're never, ever, ever going to have roses just naturally grow. It's not there. Why? Foolishness is bound in their heart. It's, that, that's what's going to happen. There has to be some type of correction. Let's end right there. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the confidence it gives us. Father, please help us be nice. If there's one thing that, that I really, really have been convicted on in my life from Proverbs is it's not enough to just be right. you got to be right in love. Please convict me when I'm being a mocker. Please shut me down if all I'm doing is creating a problem. Thank you for your word that guides us even today. In Jesus' name, amen.